Hello everyone. This is Burn Beauty 2018 and I am so happy to see y'all here. We are going to do a talk today um, just about the dynamic between caregivers and um, survivors. I think it's an important discussion because it can actually cause a lot of problems in your relationships later on um, when you have someone who you need to take care of or someone whom you are taking care of. Um, I'm sorry I was late logging on. I was having a bit of a moment with my Wi-Fi. I got some new T-Mobile Wi-Fi and it was working great for about a week. I think I've been hacked. Giving <laughs> you guys a few minutes to log on, but I think that what I mainly want to express this week is the importance of us. You know, I've only been on the survivor side of things, and I want to express the importance of us appreciating our caregivers and also try not to just wear them completely out. Because, you know, I was just talking to a friend of mine, our caregivers, you know, we begin with caregivers, right? In the hospital, our doctors and our nurses are our first caregivers. And what do we do for them? We ring a bell or we ask the nurse and we get immediate attention. You know, we get immediate attention. And we love you guys. Um, you know, we love the nurses. But, you know, they come to us and they give us a certain level of comfort as well to have them so close to us. But then we come home. And that's the part I want to talk to you about. Um, you're likely at home if you're watching Burn Beauty and if you're on the Internet. And we come home and we have our, our spouse or a significant other or our mother, whoever it is that's taking care of you, um, that is, um, hey, good evening, Jeanette. Thank you. I know, Jeanette, I hope you hang with me because I need a lot of your knowledge tonight. Um, you know, you have all these people that have maybe taken care of you for many, many years as your spouse or in different types of ways. But when you come in and you have donor sites and you have uh, skin grafts and you have chronic pain and you have chronic anxiety, you're just a big just oh, just this ball of 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 need, and that's okay. You you've been through you know A G double L and back. It's okay to be that, but where do we draw the line? And that's where I'm starting to wonder because I know I've talked about it with um, in support group with our good friends at the Phoenix Society. And they have some literature on it if you're looking for it. And they um, may have something that will speak to you as well. But for me, I'm going to give you my experience. And 
you know, when I first came home, I was in so much pain. And I was with my husband who had been with me for, um, love you too, cousin Ozzy. Thank you. Um, I was in so much pain that I couldn't think straight. And I had been afraid to come home. He had been excited to bring me home as the caregiver. And I as the survivor had been afraid because everything that I knew was, you know, calling the nurse for help or always having that reassurance that a doctor was there. Um, because there's a lot of anxiety involved in what's going on with your body and it just knowing that there's somebody there who's a professional that knows. But my husband had just spent six months learning how to do everything that the nurses were doing. And they do take time and show the caregivers how to do things. So then, so now I'm sitting and I'm thinking about it, you know, by the time he got home though, even though he had been taught how to do things, he was very, very frazzled when he got home. And as a survivor, I couldn't offer him the support that he needed. Where do you all get that support from? I don't know if Jeanette's there, but where do you all get that support from? Because I wanted to offer it. And I think that we need to be encouraging. If you're a survivor and you have someone, you're a significant other or your mother or whoever it is caring for you now, and you can't immediately replace them with someone because that does cost money. I was talking to my good friend about that. You know, I was able to bring Miriam in and relieve um, Donald, my husband. But we are fortunate that we were able to do that. Not everyone can do that. So when you can't bring someone else in, I think that the only thing to do is to, I guess, as the caretaker, to be sure that you're practicing your self-care and that you are um, and, and that you're getting the therapy. You, as the caretaker, you need as much care as the, as the, as the survivor does. Don't you? I mean, I, I have been in the caretaker position. I'm a mother. And I have taken care of my son who had Crohn's. Um, for example, he was in the hospital for a month. And I just remember being there. I wouldn't leave him. He was only 15. And I stayed in the hospital with him for that whole month. But I was beat. And I was in the same situation. Now that I think about it, I was in the same situation. I was ready to go home. I wanted to get back to my normal life. But my, um, <laughs> and I love you too, Daniel. 
I was uh, didn't mean to laugh, but I didn't say expect that to pop up. Love you too. Um, I um, was in the same situation. I think that the caregivers want to come home, and the survivors want to stay in the hospital. And I think that once we get home, we can really start to wear down our caregivers especially as it goes on and on over the years, you know, especially as it goes on, you know, my husband's taking care of me and taking care of me and, and don't think that, you know, now I am, you know, doing burn beauty and I have my little room behind me and I have my wigs and my makeup, but I, I still feel very, very needy as a survivor. So if you're feeling that, that's okay too. I'm going to say that's normal because I'm feeling it too. You know, it's just, um, I feel needy like I did. Sometimes I feel needy like I did when I came home from the hospital. God bless you, Benz. And um, thank you guys for logging on. I'm just having these thoughts that I wanted to get out this week. Sometimes I, y'all notice lately that I get these thoughts that I just want to speak on. And I, I don't always know what's driving me to speak, but I know it needs to be heard. And a lot of times it's coming from my personal life, as you can imagine, where I feel like I'm wearing down my people. You know, I mean, I'm wearing down my support system. You know, I'm going a million miles an hour and I don't want to feel that way. And listen, let me read from Jeanette for a moment because she is really, really, I wonder all about this. Um, My experience was so different because I was a caregiver and caretaker of my spouse for so many years on different levels. When it came time for me to need it, it was hard for me to take it. Oh, wow, that just hit me hard. Because I've always been the caretaker. I mean, maybe not on a physical level, but on different levels. I'm, you know, I'm mom, I'm wife, I'm, you know, Donald needs something. He comes to when I when I do my eyebrow, y'all. It's anxiety, so y'all ignore it. <laughs> Isn't my eyebrows fine? It's just some kind of thing. But um, it, you know, so for so many years, I've been running the show, and by running the show, I mean everything that needs to get done. I'm doing it. The kids are taken care of. We're going to get all this done. I worked as a paralegal and then I stopped working as a paralegal to help build our tree company, you know, and, and now I think that sometimes I think I'm learning self-care to where I don't always take on everybody's battle anymore. And I don't know 
if that's the right thing to do, y'all. I don't take on everybody's battle anymore. Actually, I do know that's the right thing to do because I need my self-care. I need to heal. But I think that it can cause conflict in your relationships um, when you when you finally say, okay, everybody here can take care of everyone, but then you're in a position where you were just at the lowest point of your life. Hello, beautiful Sarah. You were just at the lowest point of your life and you were taken care of. It's a very complicated topic, isn't it? And that's why I've had it on my mind and I wanted to talk to you you guys about it, you know, maybe that's not exactly podcasting, but I think it is because I think if you're in a hospital bed right now and you're listening, just know that when you get out, you're probably going to be scared to head home. It's okay. It's common. And when you get home, you're probably going to be wondering, what do we do now? And you're going to be just totally linked to your caretaker. But I, and you and you have to remember that your caretaker is human, too. Oh, all the way from Nigeria. Hello, Adesua. I like that. I hope I said it right. Hello, from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm looking for comments. Thank you. Y'all are driving me crazy. Ernest on my lap, so it's very hard for Adesua from Nigeria says that I gave her hope not to change the subject, but this is important. And says my burn is on my lap, so it's very hard for people to see. And I'm always ashamed to wear short things. And my mom told me I was just one year old when it happened. That's so sad. I, you know what? Look at me, guys. I've got, well, I've got a bra sticking out, but <laughs> it's a good bra. It's Fenty. <laughs> I think you're supposed to show those. I'm trying to, like, be a young youngster and not sweat the small stuff, like roots in your hair and bra straps. But, uh, um, you know, last year, early last year, I filled my cart with a whole bunch of cute things from Soma to wear because I like Soma. They have really, their loungewear is really, really soft and it doesn't irritate my skin grafts. And I bought all these things and they were sleeveless. And I got to the end and I was ready to check out. And all of a sudden I said, oh my gosh, Mary, I can't buy any of these. Look at this, they're all sleeveless. I can't go out like this. Boom, sun's out, gun's out now. I hope you can feel that same way too. But, you know, that was partially part of my caregivers getting me to this point. Miriam is one of my caregivers. And that is the strength that our caregivers give us, but at the same time, there's a trade-off. When they're giving us their strength, we are taking it. They need strength too. 
and seeing, yeah, I went into shock and acted as if everything was okay. And then reality would hit when I got home from the hospital. <sighs> yeah. I, I don't think I said anything either. I don't think I said I'm terrified of going home. I don't think I said that. I think that I just, let's go back to that caregiver thing. You've been with your nurses. You've been able to push a button all this time and get what you needed, whether it was a bedpan or a pill or a, a snack, if you could have one or whatever you needed. And now you're headed home with your mom or your husband or your child or your significant other of some sort whoever it is that takes care of you. And you're wondering if you're going to get that same level of care. Is that fair? Is it fair for us as survivors to expect that? To expect that same level of care? To expect that it's going to be like it was when we were in the hospital? Because I'll tell you something, it kind of was. <laughs> like when... I was in the hospital at first. I came home and, uh, hello, Ada, nice to meet you. I'm in Georgia. I came home and I was in my bed and it was kind of like being at the hospital. My daughter had just turned 21 and while she was in Las Vegas for her birthday, it was a big trip her, her boyfriend at the time gave her, she got me a little bell that I could ring because I would just stay upstairs all the time at first. And my husband let me get away with that for about three weeks. I didn't want to get out of bed. And they'll tell you, like, bed is dead. you got to get out of bed. you got to get up. you got to move around. But I didn't want to. And I had learned how to walk. I could take a few steps. Um, so it kind of was the first week it kind of was like being at the hospital i'd ring a bell he would come and then finally one morning i just woke up and i'll tell you all the truth there was i uh, should i tell this on that podcast how real do i get let me think about this let's see if i have the courage for this there was um you know, I had a feeding tube and I had, um, you know, I couldn't eat anything. I couldn't drink. I had a tracheotomy and wear all these necklaces to cover up. They say it doesn't leave a scar, but it does. <laughs> but uh, I put on a bunch of necklaces for it. But um, I also had, um, like, my stomach was messed up or something. And I woke up one morning and I, a grown woman, had just messed this bed. My God, I, I don't even know if I should have said that. But I'm going to tell you, because this could happen to you too. And then there's my husband, and he is not upset. He is not bothered. You know, I've thrown up in this bed all in a week. All these things have happened. I have thrown up all over the bed right after he made it. I have messed this bed this particular day and gotten up and I was so upset about it that I actually um I got up out of the bed and I just couldn't understand what was happening and I just fell and I hit myself 
I hit my head in the closet, hurt myself because I was so upset. This wasn't a nurse. This was my caretaker. This wasn't the doctor. This wasn't, a, uh, you know, the CNA. This isn't somebody who's ever seen this happen before. This was my husband. So he's my caretaker. But before he is my caretaker, he is my husband. It is a very, very complicated dynamic to discuss. So I said it. I hope I didn't lose anybody on the grossness of it. But I just, you know, you have these things you might throw up or you might have some, you know, I'd been given some medicine that was a problem. And there my husband was. He was just cleaning up. Just as if nothing Nothing is wrong. Nothing is wrong. He's just cleaning up. And I'm wondering if he's just in a, like, compartmentalized. Is he, is he just in a place in his mind where I'm just going to take care of this, you know? And then after I did get a nurse, it took about a week for me to get an in-home nurse. And after that, he still didn't trust anyone to give me my bath and do my wound care to check to make sure I didn't get any um, infections. So he would... Um, work all day and then come home and give me my bath for two and a half hours. You know, this is my main caregiver, but this is also my husband. You know, and then, yeah, then there's all the emotions crying and you don't know why and they don't understand. That's a huge thing, Jeanette. I think it was not long after that well, actually, that day that I'm telling you about that, I mean, that was humiliating. And I don't know where I just found the wherewithal within me to, to, to give that information. But I hope that it helps someone someday. But it, um, yeah, I hope it does. Because he couldn't understand why I was so upset about it, you know, why I was like, I mean, I literally just like faint. I was just like, out, you know, like, oh, my God, this can't be happening. This is not me not being able to control my body in front of my husband, even though it's been 20 years. This is not what you want. This is not the picture that you want them to have of you. And maybe this is something that happens to all of us. As we age with our significant other, others, and as we, you know, go through different cycles of life, but I know I wasn't, I wasn't ready for it right then. But he was so kind to me. And I think the best thing that I was able to do for him was, um, oh, thank you, Jeanette. To say that. that was that scared me a little. <laughs> it was um like um I don't even know where I'm going. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going. I got so I got so frazzled by myself by showing things. I think that the kindest thing that I was able to do for him as a survivor and as with him in the position of caretaker was when Miriam came, was to be able 
to, even though not everyone may be able to afford or get a nurse through the city or county immediately. But when you do, the, the biggest best suggestion I have for you is not to tell them everything. Not, not to tell, not the nurse, not to tell your, your old caregiver, your spouse, your family member, your child, your, your other, your other part of you. Not, you don't have to tell them everything that happened throughout the day. Just let it be. Just let that caretaker, your new caretaker, just let them take that on as theirs. And, you don't have to say, well, today this happened and it was terrible and we have to do Don't even just let them free from it. Because I think it's important to both of you, to you as the survivor, because you don't have, you saw how upsetting it was for me just to share that moment. And that moment was hard for me to share because it was hard for me to deal with, with my husband. It was hard for me to deal with expecting him to clean up after me or expecting my husband to uh, do everything for me I needed, feed me every meal, give me every bath, clean my clothes, get me dressed in the morning. It was hard to expect him to do that when I had been an independent woman my whole life. And now when I ask him about it, it's just, well, that's what I was supposed to do. But I don't, I do think that it has a toll. I do think that there is a toll on the caretakers. I I think that it can change the dynamic in your relationship from being uh you know, husband and wife, mother and daughter, whatever and whatever, to being caretaker and patient for too long because this recovery takes far longer than, you know, it's not a few months. It's not even a few years, apparently. I'm in about four years. It's a marathon. So you've got to replace that that first caregiver that you come home with, or you've at least got to lighten the burden on them as you get better and gain your independence. And that is another thing that I'll talk about as well, is that once you gain your independence, that might be something that is hard for the caretaker to accept. And I wish I had some caretakers listening. I don't know if I have anybody on. But I, I really wanted to know from someone other than someone who, who, who just loves me that, um, you know, is it, is it like a burden being lifted off of you when we regain our freedom or is it a worry when we regain, regain our freedom that, we won't be okay, that things won't be okay for us. We won't heal. Things won't get done properly. I don't know. I honestly don't know. But I know that for me personally, it was, I have to have my freedom back. And I'm still working on that. 
you know, that I don't want to, I don't want to worry anyone about it, but I do want to regain my freedom. And I think that as a burn survivor, you need to remember that you have to do what you have to do in order to recover as a burn survivor or as any survivor of anything. You know, we, I had a guest on last week who was just so sweet. Um, Joshua Dixon, who said that when things get hard, he would just do one of his favorite things. He would, um, you know, listen to, um, I don't think it was listening to music. I think it was, he would play his video games or buy himself some roses, even if it wasn't in the budget, because he really loved roses. Or just do something to be kind to himself. And I think that's what we need to learn to do as survivors, that we have to do that for ourselves. We can't always look to our caretaker to do that for us, I think, because it might just, it might be too overwhelming. It might be too much for them. And you want them to be your your husband or your wife or your, I just don't know. Let's see. Jeanette's with me. And I thank you so much, Jeanette, for hanging in there with me. It was hard for my wife when I would do things on my own, like shower or dressing change because she felt rejected. I did not know that. I did, okay, so it was hard on my husband. I got in trouble for taking the shower on my own. <laughs> I got in trouble. I was 40-something years old, but I said, that is it. I am not waiting for anybody to come home. I can get in the shower. My husband had put grips in the shower for me to hold on to so I couldn't possibly fall. Our shower is super tiny. I mean, just so small. And I took the shower and I felt so good about it. And he was so upset. And my daughter had had to come by to watch me, um, watch me because I was a fall risk and I had to, um, have someone with me 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And when I, I told her I was going to take a shower and she said, I'm telling, she was going to be a nurse. She said, I'm telling. Well, she called and she told him. And I have never until this moment, Jeanette, thought about it that way. That it felt like rejection. I thought I was doing a good thing by saying, hey, look, I did it. You don't have to spend all your time because he was, you know, holding me in the shower and it was just taking hours and, you know, checking every little spot on my body to make sure I didn't have a cut. And I was like, look, I did it. I did it. I did it myself. And I had no idea that I could have been making him feel rejected. And you know what? I think I'm going to tell y'all, I think that could go into right now as well as you're gaining your, your independence back and you're doing something different with your life. Life has changed. Life has changed. No matter what happens, it's not going to go back to the way it was before the fire.
It's not. Not not completely. Because everything is different. You're still you and they're still them. But you have different things to deal with. You have different challenges. Look, I'm looking at my shoulders. I can see myself in the in the back as I podcast. And I'm looking at my shoulders, how this one is down so low because I was burned so badly that I lost a lot of tissue. And my my strap is always falling off of it. I, I kind of liken it to that. You know, once you lose a little bit of it, then maybe, you know, it's not actually going to hang exactly the way that it used to, to begin with. But I would have never thought that my caregiver could feel rejected. So that is another thing that we need to think about. I am thinking about how we could better communicate with our caregivers that we want to help ourselves and help them without it being, you know, I didn't communicate at all. I just did it. But maybe talking about it and saying, I really want to try to do this. I really want to get back on track. Maybe that could do it. Maybe that could keep everyone happy. And maybe it could bring it. The idea, honestly, with the caregiver-survivor relationship after you get home is to restore that relationship to what it was before the burn, eventually. But it takes time to restore that relationship. And um, Ada, have you thought about writing a book to help others and to share your story? Let other survivors know that there is hope. Yes, Ada, I'm writing, I'm writing that book in theory right now, just not on paper with the post that I make. And I kind of want to live life out a little bit to see where I can go, where it can take me. Because I think that the fire, it wasn't the beginning of my story, um, but it was the beginning of, an, of my rebirth, if you want to call it. You know, it, it was the beginning of me walking in my purpose. So there's definitely going to be a book someday. But I want it to be a book not about what happened to me, but what I did afterwards to help other people get through, <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, both our spouses were part of our accident and both have their own trauma from it. That is 100% true. And that is something that I've not been able to help with. I don't know how. I have tried and I don't know how to be a part of the solution to that. And it is breaking my heart. So maybe that is why I wanted to talk about caregiver survivor because it's not just caregiver survivor it's husband wife 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 mother daughter and, and brother sister it is family it is friends it is relationships 
that are worth everything to you. If this person is there for you in the hardest moment of your life, it's a very, very special relationship. And I want to do some research, and I know some research has been done into how to keep those relationships really strong. Not that they're not strong, but how to keep them, what is the word? Growing. Growing. Don't get stuck in the in the caretaker, survivor mentality. Grow together. Grow together. It's sad. And I, thank you, Ada. I, I, I want, I know that's what I want to do. I want to go back to where my husband is was main caregiver and still is. And I just want, well, well I guess he's not because I have Miriam. And Miriam is like, she's my chick. She has got my back all day long. And she came and she lifted that burden off of Donald. And she lifted so many burdens off of me. But even when you lift that burden, there is still a bit of, I'm the survivor, you're the caretaker left. You know, there's still a little bit of, you need to be taken care of. And then there's a bit of, no, I want my independence back. Oh, but you can't do this. You can't do, well, can't, never could, won't, never would. I can do anything. Right? So it's sort of, it almost feels like being a child again, honestly, if you want to know. Like uh, what it feels like to be a survivor of a major tragic accident. And then, like Jeanette said, I want to go back. This is a very important statement that both of our spouses were part of our accident and both had their own trauma from it. And that is, can you imagine? Because for me, I am glad that I am on my end of the trauma because that I have been able to heal by helping others. I don't have guilt with the exception of um, feeling bad for him, but he has all guilt. He's ridden with it. And I, I hope he doesn't mind. <laughs> he doesn't usually watch. He's probably tuned in tonight. <laughs> he, he usually can't watch. I, I produce a lot of content. so. But I, I want you to know that um, it has been, it, it is something that you want to watch out for. It is something that you want to Take care of your caretaker. It is something that when you're able to do things for yourself, if you're able to do things for yourself, that you do them. It is something that when you have a care, your caretaker was also involved in the accident. Man, I, I hope you can find a way to heal together. just like you would anything else. 
you know, because you're going to be in the hospital and you're going to be scared and you're going to be hearing, you know, there starts to be a buzz of you're going to go home and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to go home, right? And your caretaker is going to be like, yes, <laughs> you know, we're going home. And right there at that moment, there's the divide. It is going to remain that way the whole time. And I'm not saying that it's bad because it's not. I am just saying that you're both coming from different points of view. And I do want to say, do look it up. I couldn't find it, but I know it exists. Um, I was, like I said, I was having trouble with my hacked internet connection, but I was trying to look up the um, article. And I know if you'll go to the Phoenix Society, they have done big, um, they, they have articles about things like this for burn survivors only um, that will help to guide you through it. And they also have support groups that help to guide you through it. There's too much light in my eyes. I'll take this off. But um, I wanted to look it up and go through and I just, I just couldn't because um, I was so busy making notes of my own about how life was different and here's how it is. So you're in the hospital, you, your life has changed, you've been in a coma. I personally didn't know I had been in a coma. I wake up and there's my husband and he is saying, I love you and, oh wait, um, you know, I love you and I'm so proud of you and you made it and I'll take care of you. And you're not really understanding what take care of you means because you have always been an independent, strong woman or man or, or however you identify. You have always been independent and strong or you haven't, but I had. And you don't understand what it all means. And this person who's telling you that they'll take care of you they don't understand what it all means either. You know, unless it's like, I had to learn to walk again. You know, there were, I didn't use a diaper, but I had to wear them because I had bed sores that hurt so much that you needed the padding. That's how bad it is. So not bad. I don't want to say that. I didn't like it. It wasn't bad, but I didn't like it. And if you're going through it right now, it is necessary, but it's not bad. You just don't like what's happening, but you need it. Everything there is designed to help you, and it's designed to help you get better. You know, even that old tracheotomy that I didn't like. So when your caretaker has to learn to clean your trach, and you will if you're a caretaker, of a burn survivor and they're coming home with a tracheotomy, you're going to have to learn to clean that with suction. You're going to have to learn to wash the whole body. You're going to have to do things that you just would never think you'd do 
for another grown up. And you know what? The only way you can do that is just with pure love in your heart. Because we, you know, we can do it for our children. There are children, but just like nurses, you know, they come in and they do these things for people that, you know, lots of us will go, oh, I would just, mm -mm, no, that's not for me. But this person who loves you so much and has been with you is now going to come in and literally be your lifeline. So understand that the relationship is an important one and the dynamic will continue to change. You know, I had no idea that maybe I had um, upset, you know, rejected my husband by doing things myself. That might still be true with things that I do. I had no idea. And that is why we get together and we talk. And that is why we listen to these podcasts. And that is why we tell our stories. Because as we speak and understand, then it, uh, it really becomes, you know, evident what is, what is happening. Does anyone have any questions? Um, you are beautiful and a great inspiration. Love you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love you guys. You guys know I do. Just lately, I have these things that I want to speak on. I think I definitely want to organize myself and be a motivational speaker and not just come out and talk like this where I can indulge my, my emotions, but actually do some public speaking because I want you all to understand the way it is and the way things will be. And the reason that I did this tonight was to set your expectations. If you are um, in the hospital right now and you're under the care of the doctors and nurses, you know, just know you're not coming, you're not going home to take care of yourself. Not at first, depending on the severity of your injury, but it is not likely that you are going home to hang out and, and watch Judge Judy. <laughs> I love Judge Judy. <laughs> it's not likely that you're going home to hang out and do that. It is likely that you are going home to be watched very carefully um, by someone who loves you very much. And it is very important that you nurture that caregiver and survivor relationship the same way you nurture whatever the other relationship is, whether it be spouse or sibling or parent. It needs to be nurtured separately. The caretaker-survivor relationship needs to be nurtured separately because it is overwhelming and it is misunderstood. It is not something we are taught. It is not something we have seen many other people do. It is something that we are learning as we go. We are making it up as we go. 
And I'm just so glad that I talked to my friend, uh, Tony, before I got on here. And she's like, no, not everybody can bring in, you know, uh, uh, a Miriam or, or, and not every state will offer to bring one in for you, bring someone in for you. That, that's an important statement because um, I can't imagine if it was still all on my husband. I don't know what it would be. I don't know how it would be because it's just me and him here and he has to run his company. He had already, you know, not been there for six months. So I don't know how it would be. I don't know how I'd be surviving. I know I would because I know it wouldn't let me down. I know that. So nurture that relationship with people, but know that it needs to be nurtured separately. It's not the same relationship. The relationship that I have with my husband, where he is the person that I call when I fall and can't get up because it happens still. That relationship is a different relationship than the one where we renew our vows every five years, you know, and we sit on the couch and eat dinner and watch Jeopardy. All these relationships are different. And, um, oh yeah, public speaking and conventions, definitely. Definitely, I plan to. It's just that it would be much more organized than this. I feel like when I'm on Facebook or when I'm on this live, I really, you guys pour into me as much as I pour into you. You really do. Like Jeanette just gave me some absolute gems of information tonight about, um, you know, maybe my husband did feel rejected when I first took my shower because I'd never looked back after that. After that first shower, that was it. I can shower myself now. And then it was, wait, I can do my hair a little. And I can remember crying about my hair, y'all, just crying about it because it was so, I had such a bad infection in my scalp that I would use this little baby comb, you know, like to try to comb it. And they sh- my head had been shaved when I was in the hospital. Um, you can even see it. I'll show y'all. I don't know if you can see. I've got a wig on today, but <laughs> there, right around here is where they cut and reattach my face. And I just had this terrible, terrible infection. And there was like a big bump on the side of my head. And there was a big bump on the back of my head that was just like literally throbbing. It's like, what is in there? There was fungus that actually grew on me. It was, And it was the type of fungus that doesn't normally colonize human beings or anything living. That's how sick you can get. But I just remember getting up out of bed and I was going to brush my hair. What little bit of hair I had left as it was growing back because, you know, they had shaved it. It had grown back and then it had fallen out again because of this terrible infection. This infection also caused me to go septic, by the way. Almost killed me. Um, It was terrible. But... This, this one particular day, this is where I'm going to leave this conversation. This one particular day, I got up and I was combing my hair 
and just this big spot on the side of my head, it just like exploded. And there's just like blood running down my face. And you know, I'm combing and there's just all this craziness coming out in the comb. It's just like flesh, but it's not even like, it doesn't look like it's my flesh. It's just gross, right? It's just like stuff you don't want on you, right? Hey, Keitha, it's just stuff you don't want on you. And I stood in front of my bathroom mirror and I just cried. And I just said, why God, why, why, why? Why did you keep me here to suffer like this? And I'd been home maybe a few weeks at most. Why did you save me? Why did you keep me here to suffer like this? You know what I realized? Because I asked him to. <laughs> when I was on fire, I asked him to. God, is this really how I'm supposed to die? And he saved me at that moment. I asked him to. But you got you there. That's why, that's why I had to keep fighting as a survivor. And that is why my husband kept getting up and fighting as a caretaker. I asked to keep my life. And I'm willing to bet you at that moment that my husband said that same prayer too. I'm willing to bet you that he asked for my life too. Uh, because you're the chosen one to help and love others because you felt the love from God. I definitely did. I definitely did. I tell y'all what, we're, we're at about an hour right now, and I, I thank y'all for joining me, but I just want, I'm going to recap with the caregiver and survivor relationship. It's not just about what we do. You know, it's not about helping someone get dressed or helping them get up. It's literally about helping them live their life the same way you do as their significant other or their whatever family member. But it is still a separate relationship. We can't take it for granted as if it's the same thing. We can't take it for granted that our husband is supposed to do that for us, that our wife is supposed to do that for us, that our mother is supposed to do that for us. You know, we can't take that for granted because that, you know, I, not in any vows. Thank you. God bless you. Not in any vows or any agreement anywhere did I see, you know, love, honor, obey. I mean, I know through good sickness and in health and all that, but all these things that come with after being burned and this caregiving, I know it is through sickness and health, but this relationship is separate and it needs to be treated separately so that we don't get lost 
and what it means, if that makes sense. Yes, that person agreed to take care of you if they're a significant other or, or a spouse, but don't take it for granted that they are there and they are doing it because for a lot of people, they're not. Don't take it for granted. And if you're in that situation right now and you're able to go talk to your significant other or caretaker about it on a separate level, just on the level as a caretaker, I implore you to do so. I really do. I think that you will learn things that you didn't know and vice versa. Because on both sides of this, things are very different as a, between being a caregiver and between being a survivor. Things are very different. Points of view are very different. And again, although you met, you know, usually it's your spouse and you made those vows, don't take it for granted that they're there to take care of you. Don't take it for granted. So I'm going to let y'all go. Um, unless you have any questions, but we've done about an hour. And I thank y'all for listening to what I had to say. And I hope that if you're in this situation right now, that you will take some time out to recognize that that caregiver is giving all they've got. And if you're a caregiver, I hope you'll take a moment to realize that that survivor is giving all they've got and that you have a very, very special relationship in the eyes of God and in the eyes of, in the, in the eyes of everyone, you have a very special relationship. So whatever you're going through, I want you all to know that this too shall pass. Next week, we're going to bring on uh, Savannah. Oh, I hope Savannah is watching. She is an awesome survivor. And she's unable to speak right now. So we're going to bring her on and I'm going to be her voice. So I don't want y'all to miss Brendan Vision next week. Um, and yes, amen. Amen, Jeanette. Thank you for all your input. Thank you all for tuning in tonight. Remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share because I'm trying to build my YouTube so that I can reach as many people as possible because that is the most important thing to me is that whatever is being said here, whatever is being learned, that that make it to the person that needs to hear it today. So whatever you're going through, please remember that this too shall pass and that I love y'all so much. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.